Hey friends, you are listening to Real Talk with Rachel, and I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. I am a therapist on a mission to bridge the gap between mental and emotional health and faith. This show is a safe and often fun space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. Well, summer is in full swing, and as I always do, I'm taking off to rest and enjoy my family. In fact, as you're listening to this episode, my family and I are on our very first ever RV road trip. That's right, we are pulling a camper out west and we're visiting several national parks and hopefully making tons of memories along the way. So if you think of us, say a prayer for us. No, we're excited, but uh, yeah, there's definitely probably gonna be lots of stories to I'll get to share with you when I return. But with that said, I prayed about what to do with this podcast while I'm resting, and I immediately felt the Lord impress upon my heart the number seven. Now, you might know that seven has great significance in the Bible. One of those meanings that spoke to me for this series is completeness. So after God spoke that number seven to me, he asked me to go back to episodes that we previously released and select seven episodes to re-release. Now, this had nothing to do with popularity or the number of downloads and everything to do with God saying that that one needed to be re-aired. So if you're new here, all these episodes that you're going to hear this summer are going to be fresh to you. So sit back and relax and just enjoy. But if you've been around for a while, and you've previously listened to these episodes, first of all, I want to congratulate you because I don't know that I have any listener that actually catches every single week's episode. If that's you, you deserve like a major round of applause and maybe some free books. So send me an email and say, hey, Rachel, I never miss an episode because I want to congratulate you personally. But here's the deal. God has highlighted these episodes and said there is something more he wants us to glean from them. So if you're pressing play today and you go, you know what, I've already heard this interview, I want to challenge you right now. Tune in. I believe that God is going to bring something up in these episodes that is a specific word for you. All right? So lean in and receive from today's episode. Well, hello, Allie, and welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be on. Yeah, I have been a big fan of yours for a while. I almost was going to be like the creepy person who, you know, hey, I've been stalking you online for a while, but not really. Um, I <laughs> I heard you first, I think, speak at Declare, which would have been maybe four years ago. Do you remember when you spoke at yeah. Declare? Yeah, so 2016. Okay, yeah. I think that's the first time I remember, you know, hearing you speak and just really fell in love with how you speak and how you teach and how you lead. And so I've been following you ever since. And before we jump into what we're going to talk about today, I love mm-hmm. to ask my guests, what's maybe one random fact about you that we didn't read in your professional bio? Ooh, I was a zookeeper at one time. What? Yeah. So in college at the Knoxville Zoo, Knoxville, Tennessee, they used to let docents, volunteers have contact with animals like you didn't have to have a science degree or any of those things and i worked with giraffes and polar bears and penguins 
Wow. So are you still, I feel like I have heard you maybe mention this in one of your teachings somewhere. I don't remember where. Probably. Yeah. Are you still a big animal person? Absolutely. But I realized really soon in college that I was not good at science. So that career dream ended there. But I do have a whole house full of boys now, which is kind of similar. Oh, that's awesome. You know, what is interesting about you saying that is my daughter, she's a big animal lover. And for the longest time, she wanted to be a vet until she realized she passes out, literally passes out at the sight of blood. (laughs) She's a terrible vet. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, yeah, maybe not. Just own a dog, Mm -hmm. you know, so. All right, so today we are talking about your new book that's about to release called Standing Strong. I would love to hear your heart behind this and what you've observed about this message. Yeah. So this is a book I didn't really plan on writing. This is a book that I kind of prayed into what I felt like God wanted me to write and then just kind of wrestled with that for a long time. I knew that he wanted a book for women for two reasons. One, he had great plans for women. He wanted to partner with women to fulfill his plans on the earth, whether that's having a certain woman foster a child or write a book or launch a business or build a garden or go back to school, whatever it is, every woman's kind of nudge in her heart or her whisper in her spirit from God to more looks different and it's unique. But it was, he really pressed on my heart that it was time for this message to come out. So that part, but also I kind of felt a warning that things were going to get hard for women. And of course this is two years ago. So I'm like, okay, God wants to partner with women and things are going to get difficult and need encouragement. What's this going to look like? And considering everything for so long seemed to be going so well, I was a little nervous. Like, do women need the message of standing strong? And then, of course, life fell apart in spring. And I went, oh, Lord, I see what you're doing. You're, You're preparing your daughters with different messages of encouragement and what you want them to hear way in advance. And I'm sure as we move into this fall and winter, we're going to see more and more people pop up and go, here's what I think God's had me tell people. So I feel like I have this message, but there's probably there's probably a whole army of women and men who have this message going into this season. And I think it's really special how God works. Yeah, I I am privileged to have a copy of the book in my hands. And I was flipping through it a few days ago. And I love how practical it is. I'm a very practical girl in the back of each chapter, how you have, you know, some reflection questions and some different things. I would love to know, or you to share with the listeners, where did your journey of Standing Strong begin? I mean, you mentioned, I believe that it happened, it started at the IF gathering. Is that correct? It did. Crazy story. So I was the founding COO of Propel Women, a massive ministry, kind of a dream job where God had asked me to step out in faith and end one thing that I was doing and, and kind of let him guide my future. And for me, I'm, I'm the breadwinner of our family. We have five kids. It was really scary. And a few months after I do that, I meet Chris Kane socially and she comes up to me and says, I hear who you're, I hear you're the person who I need to talk to to build what I need built. And at the time I said, yes, I am, because what else are you going to say to that? So I had this dream job of running Propel. I'd been there about almost three years at this point, I'm at the if gathering and it's first night I'm there just chilling, worshiping, you know, having those two days where you get to kind of lean into what God has for you. And I heard as clear as day in my spirit leave. And, you know, sometimes when the Lord gives you a word, 
he just illuminates in your mind what the context is and you can just get a word or two and you know exactly. You know that you know that you know what he's saying. And it was pretty much the worst thing I could possibly hear because I loved what I was doing. I I thought that I thought that I was doing what God wanted me to do and for him to tell me to stop doing it made me question, you know, am I doing something wrong? Did, did I mess up? Am I not worthy to lead a ministry? I, I don't know what's going on. And I kind, of, I kind of tell my story in the book. I use it as the narrative arc of what I went through, kind of wrestling with that, getting support from my husband to let me just up and quit, not knowing what I'm going to do next. And what I needed to go through, the strength that God needed to build in me to be able to trust him, to be able to overcome self-doubt and adversity around me, to be able to step out in faith. And then once I stepped out in faith, what does it look like? What are the tools that I need to be able to move forward with confidence in him? And because I have confidence in him, confidence in myself, because one of the big messages of the book is that God does want to partner with women with whatever dream or goal he's put in our heart. But what will hold us back is not just adversity, but we will hold ourselves back because of self-doubt. And the more we learn about God, the more we take God seriously, the more we'll take ourselves seriously. Because if, if he's given us something to do, he's going to equip us to be able to do it. I don't know that I ever knew that story about you and Propel, because now I do think about it. That's another place that I knew you. And I know I can absolutely relate to when God tells us, okay, you're done with this thing, but you actually don't want to be done with the thing. You know, that's the worst. <laughs> that is so the worst, because <laughs> as bad as it is, unfortunately, I think, I mean, I guess it's kind of a good thing that it's obviously a good thing when he tells us in that way and we can leave gracefully as opposed to he tells us and we ignore him <laughs> and we stay past our time and then it's not a graceful leave usually. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So you actually, one of the things you also write about is that you believe that self-empowerment can be as crippling as self-doubt. How's that so? Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. I, I'm somebody, maybe it's because I have so many kids. I don't know. I, it's hard to make me angry. I've seen it all, you know, like my mother-in-law is last because I always seem so calm. I'm like, it's because somebody's always trying to burn the house down. You know, mm-hmm. you see it all. But I found myself getting legitimately angry when I went on Instagram and legitimately angry often because of this really popular unbiblical message of self-empowerment that is being taught to women, that women are believing the whole pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You are the hero of your own story. You know, everything is dependent on your own hustle. Here's the thing. Working on ourselves, it's a good thing. Working hard, it's a good thing. Knowing that we have to make good decisions and be responsible for ourselves every day, good things. However, that little twist that you are the hero of your story, That's where it gets so dangerous because the fruit of that message is destruction. And I think the more we go on, the more we watch all the people that kind of preach that self-empowerment message, I think that we are going to see the fruit of that message is destruction. It may work in some people's lives. They may have the privilege to make that work. But when you teach that to thousands of women or millions of women, and then their plans or what they're working on, it doesn't succeed. What really makes me angry is they're not going to say, oh, that that whole line of thinking that I was believing was garbage in the first place. It led me down this road to destruction. Instead, they're going to think they failed and they're going to think it's their fault. 
Because when we shift it just enough to go, I know God has great things for me. I know God will partner with me. God will strengthen me. God will give me wisdom. He's going to get me across the finish line, but he wants me to lace up my shoes and get walking to get there. It is a partnership. We're going to work together. We're going to move together. That is the healthy way to think of it. Not this garbage that honestly looks great and sounds great on Instagram that I think is super destructive to women. I feel like we could hang out on this point the entire time. And I want to be like, say it louder for the people in the back, because yeah, <laughs> I am right there with you. And, you know, even when you said the part about that, we, you know, we're, we're being taught, you can be the hero of your own story. Well, then the opposite is true. That also means you're going to be the villain of your own story mm-hmm. when things mm-hmm. don't go well. And that's not God's design for us at all. And so I'm so glad that you're speaking up about that. What is a practical way that we can be aware of who we're letting speak into our lives to make make sure we are not being fed, you know, things that just are not healthy. Well, it's interesting because to some degree, some self-improvement or self-empowerment super healthy. Like I am obsessed with the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. And it's just simple. Here's how to here's how to do a small shift in your behavior to have good habits. It's how I remember to put on my eye cream at night or how, you know, I I do squats when I make my tea in the morning. Simple stuff like that. That sort of stuff is good. Just like learning math in school is good or learning coding if you're a student is good. Helpful, simple tools. Where we get in danger is when we listen to people who are preaching an entire worldview. Mm. So it's not, here's a tool here or there. It's the whole worldview of you're the hero of your story and they don't point to Jesus. If we are listening to people who are like, I'm going to speak into your life. I'm going to speak into your business. I'm going to speak into everything you do. But Jesus is at the center of that. That's where it gets dangerous. It's okay to pull helpful tools from different people. I mean, if someone's teaching me how to do my P&Ls and my business, it's fine if we don't have the same religion. But if somebody is coming in like here, I'm going to show you exactly how to run your life. And here's a product for this. And here's how to do this and this and this. That's where it gets dangerous. Oh, that's so good. Another thing that you speak up about is that you feel like, and I totally agree with you on this, that one of the big things that holds women back is not knowing what God says about them. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would love practical tips here on how can women listening get into God's word and make it personal for themselves. Oh, that's so good. Okay, I have a lot to say about this. Starting with this funny story. When I was first married, forever goes, over 20 years ago, I got a book on how to be a good Christian wife. And I read this book and I was like, okay, this, because I didn't grow up in the church. I was like, this is what I need to do to be a good Christian wife. My husband's going to love me, going to have a kid. Perfect, right? So I start doing all this stuff in this book. And within a day or two, my husband and I, we never fight. But he started coming home from work and picking fights with me. And after a week, I was like, why are you so mean to me? Why do you try to pick fights every day? And he goes, honestly, you're just so boring. I don't know what's happened to you, but I've never seen you so vanilla. And I said, I'm just trying to be a good Christian wife. And he said, well, I need you to stop trying to be a good Christian wife. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) We kind of get, especially sometimes in the church, depending on our upbringing, this idea of, what it means to be a woman of God. And we imagine her as super quiet and super meek and super passive. But 
when we go to um, how women are described, you know, if you go to Genesis, the word that is used is azer, azer connecto. And that it means equal yet opposite, but opposing. And when I first heard this, I thought, well, I, I don't know how I feel about opposition, but opposition thinking of, you know, two things together that oppose each other, that balance like two wings on an airplane, two wings on a bike. If you have a board standing up, if you, if you leave it alone, it's going to fall over. But if you put a board kind of up against it, they're going to support each other. And Azair is also used, I think, six, 16 times throughout Scripture as a military term. And that God is the Azair of Israel. He's fighting for them. He's protecting them. So this vision that he has for women is not passive. It is strong. It is active. It's partnership. And when we view ourselves that way, I think it changes the way we go about life. Oh my goodness, that is so good. I love that. Another thing that you talk about in your book is what we can learn from Jesus about disappointing people. Oh, yes. Okay, so I've been doing work for years on kind of boundaries ever since I wrote Breaking Busy when we met in 2016. And the thing I I went into it studying is, well, Jesus was perfect. He always took care of everybody. He was amazing because he's Jesus. Hello. No one... You know, he had time for everyone, wore himself out with it. But the Jesus in the gospel was always in the gospels was pulling himself back to pray and spend time with the Lord. And I believe it's in Mark four. I believe I'll put that asterisk with it. Jesus is in Capernaum and he's being Jesus. He's healing people. He's being amazing. He's loving everybody. I mean, he's, he's Jesus in your neighborhood. And he goes off to pray and then he comes back and he tells everybody, I have to go to the next town because this is this is why I'm here. I'm fulfilling my calling. And it says in scripture that the people said, you know, people tried to get him not to leave. And I've read that many times. And one day I read it and I realized, oh, those people were devastated probably with Jesus left because they had Jesus with them. And they, you know, the Bible's so vague about it. They tried to get him not to leave. I would cry. I would try to manipulate Jesus. I'd hold on to his ankle and he'd have to like drag me up the road. And I realized all those people who tried to get him to stay were disappointed. Jesus, word come to life, seated at the right hand of the Father right now, Savior of the world, disappointed people, the man who did not sin. Therefore, disappointing people is not a sin. However, I had lived so much of my life treating disappointing others like it was an indicator that I was sinning. Mm. Okay, this and is when, so good. <laughs> right? When I started viewing the occasional disappointment of other people as a natural part of me living out my calling, just like Jesus did, it became easier for me to deal with the discomfort of me disappointing people because to live our lives, to make any decisions at all, the fact that we don't have 10 clones of ourselves all the time, we are going to disappoint people. But when we treat something that isn't a sin like it's a sin, it does get in the way of us living the life that God wants us to live. Wow, this is so good. I, I know there are so many people listening right now that are going, Woo, can we rewind this and talk about this for another second? Because I think as women, we really struggle with this because we don't want to disappoint anyone. But I know I'm finding with myself, the more busy I become, somebody has to be disappointed. And unfortunately, if I 
don't say no to some things maybe outside of my house and it's my family that's disappointed because I'm never home or when I am home, I'm always, you know, telling the kids, sorry guys, mom's on a podcast, you're gonna have to keep it down, you know, or whatever. (laughs) And so how can we shift then on that practical note to say, okay, like to really understand when it is to be just like how Jesus would do it. You know, he knew when it was time to stay and when it was time to go and when it was time to disappoint and when it was maybe time to lean in. Well, I can think about just in terms of if anyone's listening as a parent, to be a good parent is to disappoint our children constantly. They're disappointed that they can't have six push pops. They're disappointed that they can't have play play dates with everyone right now in the middle of COVID. They're disappointed I don't know. They're disappointed because air feels wrong on their skin when they're young, (laughs) right? Um, When they're teenagers, they're going to be disappointed in a lot of things. But we know we are called to raise them in a certain way, that we are called in this perfect season of life that we find ourselves in. We are called to make decisions that they won't like, but we know we're doing it for the higher good and we know we have a purpose in it. So when the disappointment in the kids come up, we know we can look ourselves in the mirror because we know we're being good parents. Same with our work. Same with anything we're doing. There are things that we know that God is calling us to do, that the work that provides for your family, the time you spend in school to work to your degree. There are other things that we could be doing at the same time, but we have to look at the bigger picture. God has called me to do this. And it's okay if today someone is disappointed that I can't do something else. Yeah. Well, you just set me free too there as a parent. Because I mean, that simple statement right there that to be a good parent, we need to understand we're going to disappoint our children and that's okay. You know, (laughs) I I would say if we're not disappointing them in some small way daily, we may be spoiling them a bit. Ooh, yeah. Stepping on some toes today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's not easy. (laughs) Yeah. It's much easier for us to just give kids whatever they want and let them do whatever they want. But we all know it takes work to say no. It takes work to disappoint. It takes work to have to deal with the attitude that they give us after we disappoint. But that's part of parenting. Yeah, that's so good. And I would rather be the one who teaches them how to deal with disappointment than for them to experience disappointment for the first time when they get out into the world. Yeah. Mm, so good. Yeah. Okay. So another one of the tools that you give readers is called the five second secret. Tell us about it. Oh, okay. This one's really fun. So I we talked about tools from, from other people. I read a book a few years ago from Mel Robbins called The Five Second Rule. And the, the point of the book is that there's this split second before we make a decision, before we move, before we take initiative or, you know, get out of bed in the morning or do this or do that, where our brain is going to try to hold us back from doing anything that's hard or uncomfortable. Like, you know, you plan to get up at 5 a.m. and your alarm goes off and you're like, ah, nah, I don't think so. All of those things. And we have to kind of trick our brain to kind of launch ourselves into action so we don't procrastinate. And so her thing is she's, she just tricks her brain by doing a countdown, five, four, three, two, one, go. And I thought, well, that's easy. If somehow that can trick whatever part of my brain wants me not to do any hard work and always stay in bed or, you know, not do all the stuff that I want to procrastinate about then I'll give it a try. And the crazy thing is it worked. It's such a cool, simple little tool. But then I was working on this book and I realized the whole idea of this book is bringing God into everything. That yes, we may be able to go from A to B on our own, but we can go to A to Z with God. And why not in any little decision I make during the day or anything I'm doing, why not bring God into the battle so I can win the war? 
So I would, whatever situation I was in, I would bring scripture into it. So I would say, you know, if I was nervous about making a phone call or nervous about trying something new in my business and I needed to take action, but everything in me wanted to procrastinate or play small, I would just say that God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and self-control. Five, four, three, two, one, go. And then I would take action. I'd pick up the phone or I'd send an email or do whatever it is I needed to do. And that's when it really became powerful for me. So whenever I want to procrastinate or play small or just go, oh, I, I don't, I'm a little bit scared to do that. I just will use that five second secret to remind myself not to hold back. Because when God's calling us to move forward as women of God, we have to use these little tools sometimes so we don't hold ourselves back from it. Yeah. And, you know, even as you were describing it, I realized that. I love that you go in reverse because years ago when our first daughter was a toddler, somebody gave me the advice that when I was going to, you know how sometimes a parent will say, I'm going to count to three and then you better have picked up your clothes or whatever. They yeah. said, make sure you count backwards with kids because they need to know there's a completion. You know, if you think about if you count up, I could keep going after three, three, three and a half, wow. four four and a half, five, like that's, you know, we could go on for years on the numbers. But if you go backwards, they know when you get to one, there's nothing left but zero, you know, like yeah, we're done, countdown. you know? Yeah. And so it's the countdown. There, there's something to in our brain that is wired that if you go backwards, you know, wait, when I hit one, I have to do it, you know, <laughs> like I can't just keep <laughs> going on. And so I love that um, in this five second secret, that's why it really made a lot of sense to me too. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, it's like I'm giving myself a countdown and there we go, we're doing it. So I love that that. Okay. So let's move on. There's so much good. Like I seriously have eight more questions for you and we're not going to get to them all. So now I'm trying to decide. <laughs> so those of you listening, you need to just make sure you get a copy of Standing Strong. You know, I do want to ask you what, what number book is this for you? This is four. Four. Okay. Yeah. And now you've written them because we're in 2020. So you've written like one a year. Well, I guess so. I mean, it's funny. I first had the the thought that I wanted to write a book in January of 2006. And I went home and I Googled, how do you get a book deal? And Google said, unless you're famous, infamous, or well-connected, it's not going to happen. And it wasn't any of those things. And then the next thing Google told me is if you started a blog, maybe you could build an audience. And my next search was, what's a blog? And it was 10 years that month. So January of 2016, I launched my first book. And then I did what it was January 2016. I did two in 2018 and then one in the and one in 2020 into 2020. So yeah, I mean, I guess it averages out to be one a year. Yeah. Your story really blessed me when I first heard it. I'm a member of called creatives, which we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but I think I heard you talk about this on called creatives when I heard that from the time that God put it in your heart that you're going to write a book to when it actually happened was 10 years because that's how I'm starting to feel like I've God spoke to me several years ago. I'm supposed to write a book and I still haven't. I'm in the process, but yeah, but it, it really witnessed to me. And I think for those of you listening today, maybe you don't not called to write a book, but I just hope that that story encourages you that sometimes God can speak things to us and well, let's just look at the Bible for a hot second. Almost always God speaks something to somebody and it takes several years for it to actually oh, come yeah. to pass. <laughs> David wasn't king overnight. There was a process from anointing to appointing. Eh, ooh, there's a process from the anointing to the appointing. There you go. Mm -hmm. That's worth repeating right there. Okay, so let's talk about you give readers a tool to discern God's voice, which we have 
talked a little bit about in Mm -hmm. bits and pieces throughout our conversation today. What does that look like in your life? I think one of the biggest things is discerning when I'm hearing something to make sure it's not Allie and it's really God. I feel like we're all kind of doing that to some degree. And one really easy way for me is I ask myself, is what I'm hearing trying to shame me? Is it critical of me? Is it harsh? Because if it's shaming or critical or harsh, it's not of God. That's that's us. Like we've got the market on being hard on ourselves cornered. Mm-hmm. But if what I'm hearing is loving, if it's gently convicting, if it's inviting me to enlarge my faith and do good things in the world and be brave and be kinder than I want to be, it's probably the Lord. And when I think about what I'm hearing in those ways, it helps me really quickly go, okay, I know this is me being hard on myself, or this is me, you know, fears trying to hold me back. And when I, when I can pass that test, I can go, okay, let me pray into this. Let me spend time in this. Let me take this to scripture and let me make sure that what I'm hearing is from the Lord. Yeah. I love that. What would you say then whenever you, you know, in the beginning of our conversation, you talked about when God spoke to you that your time at Propel was done. Mm -hmm. So those types of things, I think sometimes I'll speak for myself, at least I want to say, you know, get behind me, Satan, you know, to those kinds of things, you know, because it's like, so how that is a little bit harder when God's voice is telling us to do something that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So how do we discern him in those moments? Well, for me, I think because I tend to be so stubborn, he he will always back it up with other believers. So that night at if, right after he told me that, I'm sitting in the seat listening to someone speak. I wasn't even listening anymore because I was so mad. Like, this is a terrible idea. I'm not going to quit. And I get a text and it's my friend Bianca who is going to speak after. And she said, hey, I'm in the dressing room down here. Uh, will you come down and pray over me? And in all the years of us going to if and her speaking, if she's never asked me to do that. And I said, well, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll come right down. So I go down, I pray over her. And then at the end, I blurt out, God just told me to quit propel. <laughs> wow. Like I, I should have done it then because she's getting ready to go on, but I had to tell her. And she laughed and she hugged me and she said, I knew it. He's been telling me that you were, that he was going to call you to quit too. So I've just been waiting. Wow. Like, oh, darn it. And I said, well, what am I going to do now? And she said, I don't know, but it's going to be good. And fast forward six months, I still haven't left. Okay. So it's not like I'm a fast, I'm, I'm a fast obeyer. And on the same day, he sends Bianca again and my friend Carol to call me and give me two different messages. Bianca called me one morning and said, I was just teaching on Peter. And when I, after I was done, the Lord said for me to call you because you're just like Peter, you don't have faith. And she said, the Lord wants me to ask you if you believe everything you just wrote in your book. And this is before fierce faith had even hit the market, though she knew about it. And I was like, okay, Bianca, thanks for this message. Goodbye. You know, wanting, wanting to be like, I do not want to hear this at all. And then about an hour later, my friend Carol calls me and she goes, I know this seems crazy, but I was praying. And the Lord wants me to call you and ask you if you believe everything you've just written. Wow. And I was like, darn it. Okay. Well, obviously that terrible instruction I heard from the Lord, he's not going to let go. So for me, it's harder to discern when he's telling me something happy or good, you know, but it's real easy to know when he's telling me, hey, you need to pay attention. There's a, a direction I've told you to go or something you need to stop doing. He gets real clear about that. 
Yeah. I love that. I love when he does that confirmation, even if it wasn't necessarily the answer you're always <laughs> wanting to hear. It, it helps you feel more confident in your decision making. I feel like you also just painted a really beautiful picture of community and right. why it's so important that we have other strong women standing with us, you know, who who see us and who see our gifts and who see, you know, just who can speak truth into our lives. And so do you have any thoughts on this as far as how can we surround ourselves with people who will do exactly what your friends did to you in that season? Well, I think we have to be really intentional about it. I think sometimes, I mean, right now it's difficult because we're not gathering, you know, in the way that we used to. It's not like there's a ton of opportunities to make new friends locally. Yeah. But sometimes it is hard to find people locally. You know, you find people in the local church who are great and you can be in small group with them, but sometimes those aren't those aren't your favorite relationships. And I'm just going to free everybody from that. Some of my favorite relationships, my closest friends are people who I met on the internet. And then we become real life friends, which is crazy to think of 10 years ago. And I think right now uh, with the, the way life is, we do still want to invest in our real life friends, but we want to be really intentional and build community digitally as well to find like-minded women and invest in relationship with them. So yes, you meet online and then you send DMs and then you're doing a Zoom call and before you know it, you're texting each other all day long and you're sending them meme DMs on um, Instagram. That's just how community and, and friendships build. But when we realize that God has given us this beautiful tool of the internet, yes, there can be a lot of bad, but there's a lot of good. We can as women, for the first time in history, we can go online and build and dream and learn and not have to get anybody's permission. We can we can change the world just, just by redeeming the technology that is the internet. And when we start doing that in community, powerful things happen. Yeah, I'm, I feel the exact same way about some of my online friends that I have made. They have really become lifelong, really great friends. And I am I mentioned earlier, I'm part of Called Creatives, which you yeah. and Lisa Whittle founded. Is this year the first year that it it started? It is. You know, it's a crazy story. I, at the beginning, at the end of last year, God started talking to me about uh, building a community. And I just kind of dreamed about it a little bit, dreamed about it a little bit. And then I reached out to Lisa with the idea. And, you know, Lisa's such a powerhouse. She was like, yes, I'm all in and ran with it. And, and we really crafted the idea for it together. It's this community, as you know, for women who are called to write and speak, whether it's whether you have this calling and you're trying to figure out what it is or you've been doing it for years, but you want to reach the next level. Our vision was we give everybody the real goods, the stuff that nobody teaches. We get real honest about everything. We get super practical and it's the cheapest available option because I know what it's like to raise children and not have any money. I know what it's like to go through seasons of your life where you don't have money. So I didn't ever want money to be something that kept women um, from the calling that God put on their heart. Yeah, and it's been such a great community to be a part of. So I, you know, if you're listening today and you feel like that that is something that you need in your life, definitely check it out. I know you guys only open membership a few times a year, right? Well, we do have a here's a little, here's a little secret. We do have a really cool webinar that if you go uh, or training, if you go on our links on Instagram, the link in bio, we give a free training that's four steps to getting your first book deal. And if you go to that training, we let you join. 
Mm, insider mm-hmm. tips right here. I didn't even know that. Know, so there you go. Secret. It's a big secret. <laughs> okay, good to know. Um, okay, so as we wrap up our conversation today, I would love for you, if you could just tell women one thing that they could do to help them achieve their dreams, what would it be? Hmm. Wow, that's a great one. There's so many. Oh my gosh, I have like 50 things. I okay, you say. can choose a couple if you uh, want. Hold on. But... <laughs> I'm going to just sit for a second and then I'm going to figure out what God wants me to say. Okay. When you have a dream in your heart, when you have a goal, when you feel like God is leading you somewhere, don't make the mistake of thinking playing small is actually is living with humility. Because sometimes playing small and being passive and not going for it and giving up on your dream is actually an act of disobedience. But when we confuse playing small with humility and we call it good and we call it holy, it's a dangerous place to be in because there's nothing holy about holding ourselves back when God calls us to grow or God calls us to get strong or God calls us to a new thing. We can't let it be this this false ideal of of womanhood and being humble to just go, I'm just going to wait over here in the corner and see what God's going to do. God expects us to get strong. God created us as strong women, as chosen women, as valuable women, as loved women. And we need to lean into what he has for us. And if we don't feel strong, if we don't feel wise, if we don't feel like we have what it takes, he will equip us to do everything that he's called us to. Oh my goodness. I love ending on that note. Playing small is not humility and can sometimes be an act of disobedience. That honestly steps on my toes in a good way. So thank you for that. I love being I love being called out in a healthy way. That's just so good. Well, Allie, thank you again for taking time to come on. Can you tell the listeners where they can connect with you as well as where they can get a copy of Standing Strong? Oh, yeah. I'm Allie Worthington on Instagram, and Allie Worthington is my website. So you can find out all about Standing Strong on my website. Oh, and um, I have a new quiz. I can text a link to everybody. This is so fun. So the quiz we built was to find your secret superpower. So what what is it that God has placed inside of you to change the world? How, how that leads to your um, personality type, the Bible verse for your personality type. It's super, super fun. So if you text the word superpower to 55444, you'll get a link from me right now to go ahead and take it. So text superpower to 55444 and then you're set. You'll get, a, you'll get a text from me like in two seconds. Fun. I okay. love yeah. me a good quiz. So that's so fun. I love that. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. And I cannot wait to release this episode to the listeners. Thanks so much. It was great to join you. Well, friends, that's it for today. Hey, for more free resources or just to connect, you can visit rachelgilbert.com and browse the goodies there. I pray that this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.